Good Sunday morning. It is 11 minutes past 7 o'clock. have to reiterate the big news of the day, the cancellation of the Twin Cities Marathon. That is huge. Charlie and I, Charlie Weiss, just talking about that and the, boy, the weight that must have gone into making that decision, Charlie, with uh, people coming in from all over the world to run in this race. Yeah, I mean, it, it comes down to, and, and it's the one event all year. You know, these people work all year for this big event, but... Safety comes first. I mean, that's that's what's preached, and they're practicing that today. Yeah, you got to give them credit for that. But what a decision! So, as we do every Sunday at this time at seven o'clock in the morning on a Sunday, we talk about an issue that affects your health, and it can be a wide-ranging topic. I mean, you got to believe we cover a lot of stuff here on Sunday morning: acupuncture, we cover heart issues, liver issues, colon cancer. But today, we're going to talk about a new outpatient opioid treatment center opening up in the Minneapolis area. And uh, there's going to be an open house coming up next week. And we want to talk with Liz Scott right now on our newsline about the new clinic and how it will help people, the new center. So good morning, Liz. Thanks for coming on with us. Good morning. Well, uh, tell us about this. It's an outpatient. It's on Broadway. Is it um, over north? Yes. Yes. So we're at 1020 West Broadway, right next to the U.S. Bank. Um, So Broadway and Emerson right there. We'll be opening here in a few weeks. Um, Our open house is on Tuesday from 11 to 2. So we will um, be providing outpatient um, opioid treatment with medication-assisted treatment services. Now, let's talk about the opioid crisis, people calling it a public health crisis at this point, and thinking, too, about the opioid crisis, including fentanyl, with, you know, the number of cases Mm -hmm. of fentanyl just skyrocketing and uh, what we're seeing out there. What are you seeing locally in terms of people in need of um, treatment for opioid addiction? Well, I... I... (laughs) work on the streets a lot. Um, I partner up with organizations like Streetworks and uh, Twin Cities Recovery Project, and we do a street outreach, and it is everywhere, just not in Minneapolis. It's in St. Paul. It's in Maplewood. Um, there are people that are engaging in this drug use, and it is it is a huge crisis right now. It's... Um, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. I'm reversing overdoses in pretty much all of the counties that I'm in. So, I mean, it, it's it's a huge thing. It's a huge thing. You see the drug paraphernalia. You see it everywhere if you're paying attention. You mentioned you're reversing overdosing every yeah. day in every county. What does yeah. that look like? So, um, it's just people that are, you know, fentanyl is one milligram of fentanyl is equivalent to 50 milligrams of heroin. So the street drugs, they're not regulated. You don't know how much fentanyl you're actually taking. And um, people, you know, are overdosing. So basically, they're nodding off, they're unresponsive, and you have to use naloxone and you have to, you have to breathe until the person comes to. You breathe for them. You give them mouth to yes, mouth. Yes, rescue and t- breath. Yep. Yep, yep. Um, what are you seeing, Liz, as the uh, implication, the effect of the new Narcan being over-the-counter? Is that helping? Do you feel like people are getting 
turned on to that? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I do. I think um, everyone who I, I'm just very, very fortunate to work with such an amazing team. Uh, my outreach manager, Seneca, she's doing on the Loxone trainings everywhere, and people are actually carrying Narcan now and are educated about Narcan. And I think everyone should carry it because it can happen anywhere. Um, so, so would yeah. an addict, or you know what I mean, like who's who's carrying Narcan? I, community members. I definitely people that are engaging in you know drug use. I think should have it. And I, we always encourage never use alone. So somebody should know how to do it if you got if they're using. Mm. Yep. Because I've heard that, you know, to, to to meet people where they are. Absolutely. And, and not say, well, you need to get into treatment and you need to be clean and sober and then you can carry Narcan. But that actually is somewhat counterintuitive because. It's very counterintuitive. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, well, Liz, we're going to take a quick break here. It is just about 7.15, but we're going to invite our listeners to be part of the program. Maybe they have someone in their lives that's suffering. Maybe they are going through some kind of addiction. And we want to talk about what happens at the treatment center. And just questions like, is treatment for alcohol, marijuana, and opioids, are they different? Is it fundamentally addiction is the same no matter what drug? So you don't have to answer that. We'll just kind of lay, set the table a little bit. But just to remind our listeners, it's 651-461-9226. I actually have a story to tell as well about a friend of mine uh, and a person they know that uses but wanted to make sure before she used that there wasn't fentanyl in it and ended up almost dying by just a a prick, just a tiny pinprick. So 651-461-9226, if you know someone that's suffering and you want to join in the conversation, love to have you. It is News Talk 830-WCCO. We'll be back right after this. And a good Sunday morning to you. My name is Susie Jones, your host this morning from 7 to 8, talking all things health. Don't forget your money coming up at 8 o'clock. If you happen to just be tuning in, we want to share with you the news today that they have canceled the Twin Cities Marathon, the Medtronic Twin Cities Marathon, kind of a decision that was looking like, I don't know, we were talking about it last night. I was out with friends saying, what's the possibility that they would actually cancel the marathon? Thousands and thousands and thousands of people come to the Twin Cities from all over the world, all over the country to run in this, but the... The heat today, too much, and that is a topic, taking care of yourself, being healthy, taking precautions is kind of what we're talking about. We're talking this morning with Liz Scott. She is with the Community Medical Services, and coming up just in a couple weeks, there's an open house this week uh, at a new opioid, outpatient opioid treatment center. Liz, when we came back, when we took our break, we were kind of talking about questions that people might have about how addiction is treated, whether it's alcohol or fentanyl or marijuana. Um, are they all treated differently? Yes. Okay. Let's talk about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, and I'm going to give you my opinion. I, I think <laughs> that everybody should do their treatment as they see fit, meeting people where they're at. Even if I had a patient that came in and maybe required something else, I'm going to help that person find if they wanted to go to detox, if they wanted to go to inpatient, I'm going to help them find and discover what works best for them. So I think every patient should be treated differently. 
and not there's not a blanket answer for an addiction, no matter what it is. Okay. So, you know, you've got the 28-day program at some of the mm-hmm. famous places in Minnesota. You've got, Correct. you know, Teen Challenge that can be up to a year. You have an outpatient program, mm-hmm. which is yours. And how does that work? Are people... You have groups that come in. When's the first group starting? Um, so our with our clinic, it's a walk-in. You can come in. You can either schedule an appointment or you can walk in. Um, we have extended hours, which is great. So our Minneapolis clinic is open until 630. Um, our Roseville clinic is going to be open until 530. So um, when you're ready to come in, you do an intake. You meet with your doctor. You meet with your counselor. You do a behavior assessment, you know, they, they discover everything. It's a three to four hour process. So your, your initial intake is longer. You set your dose um, with a physician of like your methadone dose and everything's tailored to that specific patient. And then after that, when you come in daily, you're in clinic for about five minutes. So we're open really early in the morning and we have those extended hours. So we try to, you know, break that barrier and resistance to treatment to offer extended hours because there's other OTPs that are only open to like 1.30. And it's hard for people to get there if they have jobs or families and transportation issues. So after your initial intake, you're in for about five minutes. You come to the front desk, you go to the kiosk, um, they call you and you get your dose. So it, it tends to be pretty slick after that first initial intake. That's something else. You mentioned uh, going to work, taking care of their family. I think we have a perception, maybe I do, but that a person who's addicted to opioids looks a certain way, lives on the street, doesn't have teeth, has, you know, scabs. But talk about the face of the opioid crisis. It's not just, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's it's everybody. It's it, It knows no barriers. It knows no demographic. It knows... I mean, you're treating people that are unsheltered, of course, but you're also treating affluent people that just happen, you know, opioids were a prescription maybe that their doctors gave them for an accident and they became addicted. And now we have a problem, right? So I've seen everybody from lawyers and other physicians to the unsheltered population it, it sees no race. It sees it sees nothing. This crisis, and we are really here at Community Medical Services. We're really trying to break the stigma. Our clinics are very open. They're very welcoming. They're in the middle of neighborhoods instead of like you know we have signage. Other clinics maybe don't, and where it's kind of hidden. This needs you know everybody needs help sometimes, and addiction should be treated just like any other medical issue. Six five one four six one nine two two six. If you have a comment or a question, maybe you want to share a story. Maybe you're, you know, have someone that you love in your life that you want to help find that place that they can go to get help and hopefully recover from opioid addiction. Six five one four six one nine two two six. I am a former public health nurse. This is according to a texter just sent in a minute ago. Um, I have seen clients, work with clients who were on methadone, which is what you're talking about. She mm-hmm. says, some seemed so sedated at the time that I wondered if it was the best choice. That's from Deb in Maple Grove. Um, talk about that and then talk about other options besides methadone. Are there people that are researchers working on different ways to come, to sort of deal with this crisis? 
Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on the first question. I, I definitely have seen people that um maybe their dose wasn't correct. Um I think it, it you need to kind of tailor that dose to that patient. Or they might have been still engaging in drug use while they were on their methadone, which can create a sedation kind of look. Um so that's why, you know, doing UAs or blood draws and seeing where the patient's at. We're not going to be punitive if they are still using. We're just going to adjust the dose. But it's it's a very tailored program, and it's very successful if it's used properly. Again, it opens coming up in a couple of weeks, but there is an open house coming mm-hmm. up on Tuesday. Is that right? Yep. So our Minneapolis, um, our clinic on Broadway is on Tuesday. So that's 1020 West Broadway. It's from 11 to 2. And then our Roseville Clinic, um, the old Joe Sensors, <laughs> if anybody remembers that, do, um, is do. now Community Medical Services. That's on Wednesdays from 3 to 6. We're talking to Liz Scott again. She is with Community Medical Services about the opioid crisis and a new outpatient center that's opening up in North Minneapolis at 1020 West Bradway. I just read the statistics. The Minnesota Department of Health says opioid-involved overdose deaths among Minnesotans increased 43% from 2020 to 2021, and the number of deaths has doubled since 2019. So I think people can kind of live about their lives and not think about the reality of it. But it is here and it is happening and it is not just happening, you know, underneath the bridge. It's happening in neighborhoods and mm-hmm. uh, and around places that you might not think about. Um, and I think it's important to talk about. I, I just read somewhere that people seem more and more, I think, over the last years talking about it, not just to have it be in the shadows, but to have something that people will say, you know what, we need to talk about this a lot as much as we can to help people. Yes. We'll take a break here. We're going to do some weather for you. And then we, when we come back, we'll continue to convert our conversation with Liz Scott about this new outpatient clinic and also invite your calls and your texts at 651-461-9226. It is 728. Welcome back to the last half hour of our health Hour on WCCO Radio. My name is Susie Jones, your host from 7 to 8, talking health with Charlie Weiss at the helm. And we're talking about opioid addiction and a new open house, a new outpatient opioid treatment center in North Minneapolis. The Community Medical Services is an outpatient opioid treatment center, a new office in Minneapolis. There's an open house if you want to check it out, October 3rd from 11 to 2 at 1020 West Broadway. And we have Liz Scott with us on our news line talking about opioids. And Charlie and I, Liz, were talking at the break about he has had two personal encounters with an overdose happening right in front of him. Charlie, kind of tell us a little bit about what you saw and what happened. And then we'll talk to Liz more about um, what people need to know if they do run across Yeah, it's two very different scenarios. One time it was just, you know, walking along and then these two gentlemen were unconscious and clearly mm-hmm. overdosing um, in some capacity and just having to wait there and not be able to do anything and wait for the ambulance, which, you know, is, is what happened. It, it feels a little helpless. But the other time, luckily, we were uh, in a Cub Foods and they have a pharmacy there. And so, you know, everybody ran over and said, 
Narcan, you know, yeah. can we have some Narcan, please? And being able to just actively uh, take part in that, um, it, it, it feels better to know this person is is hopefully in a better scenario after being given Narcan. Yes, yeah, and it's a scary situation. It's very scary. <laughs> um, to <yeah>. that, <laughs> well, no, no, to that end, you know, there's Charlie getting mm-hmm. Narcan, but for the rest yeah. of us listening. You know, like we said, you're at a Cub food store. I mean, mm-hmm. how how big of a game changer is the Narcan being available over the counter? Oh, it's so great. <laughs> and just the education and the exposure of it now, I think people aren't scared of it. Um, how, it it's changed a lot of things. How does it work? Do you put it in their nose? I mean, I've never... Yeah, there's two methods you can do. There's two th- routes of administration. So Narcan is the actual like brand name of the nasal naloxone. So it's just like how you do like allergy meds. It's like a plunger and you just spray it into their nose. Um, so naloxone is the drug. So naloxone goes in once it's administered, it goes into the opioid receptor where you're like your, your drug is, it kicks that drug out and locks it in. So they come out. Mm. So the opioids no longer in that receptor. And that's how they come out of the overdose. And how is it for people coming out? I'm sure it runs the gamut, but in terms it's of... It's not I- pretty. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you usually go straight into it, Jaws. Um, it, it's very uncomfortable for the person that has gotten it. It's, you know, they go from being high to now you administer a naloxone, and now you're, you're pretty much in withdrawal because we've kicked that opioid receptor out of you know the opioid out of your receptor now and blocked it so what is it like you say bad give me an example so they go into withdrawals they don't feel good um they're usually upset um they feel sick immediately um so stomach issues that you just don't like flu-like symptoms happens pretty immediate and so i have heard they're also mad because you wrecked their high Sometimes, sometimes, and they're confused. I mean, you go from being unresponsive and then all of a sudden you don't remember anything and then you're up and you have a bunch of people around you. It's a very, it's a a traumatic situation for that person to go through. Wow. So yeah, you can experience some emotions behind that. Yeah. So when they show up at the the outpatient opioid treatment center, Mm -hmm. do you accept people who are high? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, talk about I an mean, active use. Absolutely. Um, and if somebody's coming in, like how amazing if that person walks through the front door and they just like actively used, what a decision. That's like super brave for them to come in. They're just done They're They need help and they need help right now. So that's why we talk about, um, you know, very, very much about meeting people where they're at. If they come in and they just use, I'm still going to see you. I'm still going to, your intake might take a little bit longer, but we're, we're going to get through this together. 651-461-9226. A texture writes just a minute ago, it's fentanyl, not fentanyl. I know that. Mm-hmm. Is, <laughs> I realize that is uh, a pronunciation issue, but I, I do think that uh, you tell me how you say it. Fentanyl. Fentanyl. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, it is is semantics. It's just pronunciation. Yes, it is. <laughs> and, and however you say it, you know what we're talking about, I guess, at the end of the day. Yes, you, you know, do. <laughs> but I was thinking about combating it, you know, and getting and all the effort. You know, you're on one end of it, treating it, and then you have the authorities and the just the incredible influx of the drug from mm-hmm. all over. But, you know, you hear about Mexican drug cartels that are making it. And yep. Flooding the market, and you know, it seems like a just a helpless situation, hopeless situation. But you don't. How would you characterize it? I guess oh, I, I don't know. I'm a very positive person. As long as we're aware and we keep talking about it, and we, you know, are opening up clinics and people are accepting of it, maybe we can get through this. Mm. And just being out there and making sure, even if you help one person, if that person goes into treatment, they're going to tell their friends. It's just such, it needs to be more widespread. We got to keep this conversation up. And how do you have the conversation? So someone is in it, you suspect it. Mm -hmm. How do you reach your hand out and offer, (laughs) suggest help? Yeah, I mean, I've done this wrong and I've done it right. Um, I have personal experience with this with family members, and um, my best friend actually died of a heroin overdose. Oh, I'm sorry. But um, you got to come at it gently. You got to come at it with love. If you come at it, you know, at a defensive standpoint, it's probably not going to go well. Make sure you know your resources. Make sure you're educating yourself. A lot of people that are engaging in this drug use have done it for so long that they're really not getting high anymore. They're just trying to stay out of withdrawals. And that is a horrible situation to be in. No kidding. So coming, yeah, just you're not coming even... at it with love. And, what, and what, what words would you say if, if you know, I was... I'm here for you. I'm here for you. I, I feel like this is going on. If you're noticing, you know, certain behaviors, changes in behavior, hygiene, you know, somebody that was extroverted is now withdrawing, money issues, dilated, you know, bloodshot eyes, weight loss. you got to come at it like, what's going on? I'm here for you. I love you. I am here to help you. Come at it like that. Yeah. And not of you're a drug addict. I hate that word. You're not a drug addict. <laughs> like, what's going on? Well, I've been in recovery for a long time from alcohol. And um, it is hard. It is hard because people are defensive. Addicts are sometimes defensive. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> and they're liars. You know? Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. I know of what I speak so I can call a, an addict a liar because right. I was a liar. I still can be, actually, Liz, sometimes. Sorry to say. <laughs> well, you cover it up, right? Yeah, it, right. It's just, it becomes that lifestyle. Right. Oh, this is sad. We have a texter coming in, 651-461-9226. Um, maybe this person wants to even call if they if they feel up for it. 651-461-9226 if you want to call and share your story. This person writes, I sure wish treatment would have worked for my son. He died in 2018 from fentanyl. And mm-hmm. um, she or he writes, I'm praying for all addicts. Yeah. That's it's the reality. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for your loss. It's devastating. This epidemic affects everyone. And you think that it? Yeah, I just still think there's this misperception out there that it's just this handful of people that 
live on the street, but it is not. Um, it's not. And our fastest growing opioid users are between the ages of 14 and 18 right now. Oh my God. Are you kidding? No. How's that happening? And, and yeah, tell me about where, you know, I mean, you, 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 you almost understand, not really, but you kind of understand, okay, I have a back problem or I broke my ankle or my shoulder hurts and my doctor gave me opioids and then I ran out and I found mm-hmm. I needed to get high still and feel that feeling. So I turned to heroin. Like you understand that storyline, but when they're mm-hmm. 14, where are they finding themselves in a position? Yeah, it where- could be, it could be street drugs. They could be athletes that actually got hurt. It's it's everywhere. It is everywhere. Man, it's got to be daunting. It does have to be daunting to you. I I try not to go there. I just you focus. It's one day at a time. It's one day at a time. Yeah. Now, are you in recovery and, too? Do you mind I ask? Um, I am not. But okay. um, my my little brother was. I, he used drugs, and then with my best friend, um, yeah. her passing away, her started with prescription drugs. I, after she overdosed and passed away and left two beautiful twin girls that are the same age as my daughter um, behind, I just wanted to do something more. Yeah, and here you have. <laughs> Trying. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you worked there? Um, I've been in for almost a year. Okay. Um, but yeah, I've been in the human human services field for almost twenty. And what's your job at uh, the community medical services? Treatment? I'm a treatment director for both clinics. Oh, both. Okay, good, good. Yep. And um, talk about success. You know, you said you want to be positive. Do you, you actually see people that come out of opioid addiction and leading healthy lives? Is is it a I always say it's harder than alcohol, but I don't know. What do I know? I don't know. If I yeah, I, I can't speak to that. Um, I mean, I will give you a one of the most beautiful success stories was my little brother. It was lots of stints in rehab, lots of different different things that he went through. And now he is successful. He's married. He has the most beautiful daughter. I'm going to say that because she's my niece. And he's living his best life. And there was years that he he struggled with addiction and something worked finally. And it it can happen. It can happen. It just might not be on a specific timeline. It might take time. Yeah. And everybody needs to kind of understand that. 651-461-9226. If you want to jump in with a comment or a question uh, about someone in your life that's struggling from addiction, and what you can do, what you can say to help them turn out like Liz's brother who turned it around. You know, I always say, don't leave until the miracle happens because sometimes it takes someone 120 times to try to, right. get, to, try to get clean and sober and, you know, drug-free. And it's hard work because addiction is a monster, you know. Mm-hmm. It really is. If, you, if anyone who understands or knows someone understands maybe they've been addicted themselves it's like i always say it's like if you think of like a hawk and the talons the claws the the eagle or the you know what i mean that yes it has you so it does it just so and the more you pull the harder it it hurts and um so we invite you to be a part of the program as well as we wrap up our last quarter last 10 or 15 minutes 651-461-9226 
you want to share, if you have a question for Liz about someone in your life that's struggling with addiction, we invite you to be a part of the program. 745 on News Talk 830 WCCO. Welcome back. It is 750 on a Sunday morning. If you are just tuning in, a few clouds out there, 70 degrees on our way up to a high of 91 degrees. That is the expected high today on this Sunday, October 1st. And officials with the Medtronic Twin Cities Marathon canceled the race this morning, canceled the race. Thousands and thousands of people in town for that race. And because of the extreme weather conditions, they do not want to risk people getting really, really seriously hurt by kind of pushing themselves, which is sort of what runners do, I guess. I'm not one. Um, So they have canceled that race. So be aware of that. If you were thinking of going out and watching a loved one run or even just cheering on people, I I don't think, I don't remember the last time, if ever, a marathon has been canceled. But talking about opioids this morning with Liz Scott. She is with Community Medical Services opening up a new outpatient treatment center in North Minneapolis. They have two and they are walk-in. Man, you can walk in and say, I need help and they will be there to help you. 651-461-9226. We've got probably like five minutes left, but I do want to mention this text because she writes, I know you're talking about opioid addiction, but when you talked about your alcohol addiction, I was hoping you could tell me how you got help. She writes, we have a 38-year-old daughter who is killing herself with alcohol, and we don't know where to turn to get help. What, you know, addiction is addiction. I know it varies, and you meet people where they are, but you mentioned it a little earlier. Kind of talk us through maybe some words that we can say. You know, if you want to write it down to help you, write it down. But you mentioned before, how do you broach the topic with someone who is in the middle of addiction and you would like to offer help? Uh, you know, I'm, <laughs> I just come at it with love, with absolute love. Like, I love you so much and I don't want to see you do this to yourself. How can I help you? Meet them where they are at. That's my advice. And it, will, it might take a hundred times of that conversation. And it's so easy. It's so easy to get upset it's so easy to get mad, but just remember that person is going through something that you really don't understand and perception is reality in that person's head. Come at it with love. Come at it with resources. Come at it with these are what we can do. What would you like to try? Just pick one. Yeah. Give them options. And just say, one. And say, you know, it's out of love. It's not a nagging, you know. No. And to remember, too, and I know I'm sharing this with you, but you did say the bit about it takes a long time and that people, a lot of people, particularly in the program of AA, which I am a member, they have to do it like 10 times. And this person, yeah, or a, te- more. a texter wrote today, I was married to someone who was addicted to many things. As he aged, it just became alcohol and the DWIs just started racking up. The court finally have had him have some kind of accountability that keeps him sober. He is going to be 70 and I still don't believe it's a solution. I hope I'm wrong. I believe, um, yeah, I, it's about being accountable. Uh, the point she says she wanted to make is that it's never too late that God never gives up on anyone. I, I do know that. I mean, I just think that eventually it's going to work. 
or sadly sometimes you know i hate to say it but like your your best friend i mean it is sometimes it doesn't yeah mm-hmm. it's gnarly and um so you just one day at a time you just say i love you and i want you to be healthy and what can i do to help you yes and find those resources find those resources yeah so they're they're out there so maybe have I mean, maybe have a phone number maybe have something to give them like actually physically yeah, yeah. a pamphlet yeah here's outpatient, here's inpatient, this is close to your home, you know, try to break down those barriers of treatment mm-hmm. and and see if they'll, I'll go with you, I'll support you, I'll sit there with you. Right, right. People, you know, everybody needs that. Yeah. Liz, thank you so much. We're running, we're up against the clock here, but um, yes. how can, where can, is there a phone number we can give people or information before we leave here? Yeah, just community at medicalservices.org. You can message right there. Um, you can stop in okay. to our clinic. Okay. Um, my phone number is on all the cards. All right. So, thank you, Liz. Yeah. Community all Medical right. Services, thanks for being part of our morning, and thank you all for texting in and calling in. It is 756 on News Talk 830 WCCO.